Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're currently walking verse by verse through the book of 1 John. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. My name is Scott Worthington. I have the great honor and privilege of being one of the pastors here at Hope. And if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be there in just a minute. But before we do, I think we can all agree that as a culture, we are obsessed with this idea of love. As a culture, we are obsessed with this idea of love. I'm a, a big music fan, and so uh, one of the ways that we commonly hear this expressed is in music. Um, I looked up a stat this week. It said that Historically speaking and currently, upwards of 95% of all music, like all music, is based on this idea of love and relationships. All top radio hits are based on love and relationships. So I thought just to get this idea on the table here this morning, I would, uh, we would all hear some love songs together and, and sing them along this morning. Um, it's not going to be long, don't worry. But uh, I brought three iconic love songs. I think love songs that we can all, we've all heard, we all know. Three love songs to get this idea on the table. The first one is, um, is an iconic, very, very, very popular song. Go ahead and play that first track today. There we go. Some people are singing it, right? Listen, that defined a generation. Um, I, I don't have time to rebuke in Jesus' name the people that don't like the Beatles, but we'll go ahead and move on from there. Uh, the next one is a one-hit wonder that is massive. If you ever went to a club in the early 90s, you probably heard this song, but this is a, a very famous song that some of you guys will, uh, will recognize. Go ahead and play that song. Some of you guys are wanted. Yeah, there it is. Some of you guys, some of you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what we're talking about, don't worry about it. One more this morning. This one is the best. I mean, this is, this is iconic. We all hear it. We love it. The late, great from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Hit that third song. <laughs> the late, great Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. We all love love songs. We all maybe had one at our wedding. We've seen it at a wedding. Love songs are, I mean, they're, they're, we, we all know a bunch of love songs. If you get in your car right after service, you turn on the radio, chances are you're going to hear a love song. And the radio is very strategic about this. If you haven't noticed, if you play the radio for an hour at a time, you will hear the same song maybe two or three times. Why? Because the radio executives are very strategic. They are doing what's called saturating the market. So they hear a song. They test a song. They know a love song is going to do really, really well. So they pay the radio stations lots of money to play that song over and over again. Why? Because if you hear that song, it's going to get stuck in your head. You're going to want to buy the album, and you're going to give them money. And so they saturate the market, and they play the same song over and over and over again. Now, as a church family, we've been studying this passage of Scripture 
all about the love of God. The Holy Spirit of God through the Apostle John in 1 John 4 is saturating the market, if you will, and saying something over and over and over again in hopes that we would hear it and apply it to our lives. The Holy Spirit is saturating the market, and we've looked at one passage of Scripture over the last several weeks about this idea of the love of God. And we've said this. We've seen this reality that my personal experience with the love of God allows me to truly love others. That's what we've been saying for three weeks. This will be the fourth week, that my personal experience with the amazing love of God allows me to love others. If you haven't checked out these messages, I highly encourage you, go on our website, go on our mobile app. You can watch all these messages, an incredible study on the love of God. But the Holy Spirit has really been saying something over and over and over again. The word love is used in this passage 27 times. But it's not just any word love. If you missed the first week, Pastor Vance unpacked that this is a very specific Greek word. The word love that John uses here in this passage is the word agape. So by way of review, I want to look at three phrases we've been looking at for the last three weeks that that define this agape love. Here they are. Agape love is a choice, not a feeling. This is a willful decision to love. Agape love is a choice, not a feeling. Secondly, agape love is self-sacrificing, not self-serving. It's a self-sacrificing. This is you sacrifice for others in agape love. And lastly, agape love is undeserved, not earned. This isn't because somebody deserves the love. They didn't earn it. This is, this is undeserved, not earned. And so as we finish up this mini-series on the agape love of God, we're going to read a few verses, and we're going to actually finish up John, 1 John chapter 4 as well. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read somewhat of a summary of all that we've learned the last three weeks and we'll, we'll see what the word of God has for us today. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 17. Here's what the Bible says. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. We're going to take a few minutes just to unpack these these last words in 1 John chapter 4. And and very simply today, I want to give you two things that the love of God gives us. Out of this passage, I believe there's two things that the love of God gives us. We're going to spend the majority of our time on the first one. Here's the first thing. The love of God gives us confidence. The love of God gives us confidence. In verse 17, he says this, by this the love, of, uh, love is perfected with us. Now, at Hope, I really appreciate that we study books of the Bible just straight through. But when you're reading this as a letter, you read what just happened before these verses, but it's been a whole week since we heard what happened before these verses. So John starts today by saying, by this. Well, by what? So we have to go look back last week at a verse that Pastor Travis read to find out what is John talking about when he says, by this, love is perfected with us. So look at 1 John chapter 4, one verse earlier in verse 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. So John is saying we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Very famous verse. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. 
and God abides in him. So he says, we have come to know and believe the love of God. God is love. The one who abides in, in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then in verse 17, he says, by this Love is perfected with us. By what? Well, by what we read in verse 16. Perfected is this Greek word that carries the idea of completion. This is really important for the rest of our morning. The word perfected carries this idea of completion. It's being brought to maturity. Here's the point. As we abide in the love of God, back to verse 16, as we abide in that love, our love becomes more and more and more of a complete picture of God's love in which we can continue to abide in that love. It's a cycle. As I learn more about the love of God and abide in that love, then my love for others and my love for God becomes more and more of a complete picture of what God has for me in his love. As we abide in Jesus, as we grow in our faith, our love of God and our understanding of his love is being made perfect, it says. And in verse 18, John says that that love gives us confidence. It's a big word, confidence. This word means trust or assurance. It's the opposite of another word he uses in this passage, fear. He's contrasting these two words in this passage. There's confidence and then there's fear. And we're gonna unpack those words in just a minute. But as I thought about that word confidence this week, I thought about my kids. My wife and I have four kids. My wife Candace and I, uh, we have four kids. And um, as parents, you guys will understand this if you're parents, we would hope that our, our kids would have confidence in us as parents. Meaning they're not gonna have to wake up in the morning and wonder where they're gonna get their food that morning. If you have little kids, I mean, if you have like 16-year-olds, you might be like, figure it out yourself, right? But if you have younger kids, I'm talking about like all my kids are under, seven and under. So if you have younger kids, you want them to have confidence that you're gonna give them a place to sleep. You're gonna give them food. Now, I understand there are terrible circumstances where that isn't the case. But for us loving parents, we wanna make sure our kids have confidence that when they wake up in the morning, somebody's gonna provide food for them. Somebody's gonna provide a place for them to sleep. I have, my, my kids, they have that. They, they woke up this morning and they walked in the house and they said, mom, what's for breakfast? They didn't walk in the house. They weren't sleeping outside. They walked from their room. <laughs> Be like, wow, this guy. <laughs> we got a place for him out back. No, just kidding. They walked out of their room and they said, mom, what's for breakfast? Why, they just knew. They, from birth, they have grown up knowing they can trust mom and dad. I'm going to have food in the morning when I wake up. I'm not wondering where it's coming from. I don't care where it's coming from. Mom and dad feed me when I wake up in the morning. They had come to know. They have grown up with this confidence. Now I'm going to put a picture of my family here on the screen. These are my four kids. So as you can see, these three on the right here are my biological children. That is Avery. She's almost six. That's Bryce and that's Blaine. Um, and then the girl, the little beautiful little girl on the left is a girl named Aria. Now, a year and a half ago, I was in a setting like this when I first heard about foster care and adoptive services. And I got to be honest with you, I was like, God, that's awesome for all those people. That was not on my radar at all. But God said, no, that's for you, dude. And now I have a girl in my house that proves it, okay? So I, my wife and I went through the whole process. Praise God, I'm so glad we're doing this as a church and we're raising up godly foster parents. My, my wife and I went through this process and six months ago, we brought Aria into our home and she is now my daughter. And, and praise God. And she's two years old. And listen, the first two years of her life, she didn't know me. So there was a moment, I remember back in February, where we met her, and she stood on the front porch of my house, and she's kind of looking at me like, who are you? <laughs> right? She didn't know me. She didn't know my wife. She didn't know these three crazy kids that were calling your sister. She did not know us at all. 
So she was a little leery. She had no confidence, right? When she went to bed that night, she didn't know where she was waking up. She didn't know if we were going to provide food for her. But listen, over the last six months, we have shown this girl by the grace of God that they can, she can trust us, that we're going to provide for her, that she can wake up in the morning. And guess what she did this morning? She woke up with that crazy hair. She looked at my wife. She said, Mom, what's your breakfast? Why? She knows. She can trust it. Why? Because we have given her that maturing love. We have shown her. You can trust. Every morning when you wake up, there's going to be food on the table. When you go to bed, there's going to be a warm bed for you to sleep in. You can trust us, Aria. And for six months, she has learned that trust in us. Here's the point. Some of us, we don't have that confidence in God because we're still set on the doorstep. And we're looking in and we're like, I don't know if we can trust that. I don't know if I can go inside. And we have to understand that the love of God is being made perfect in you today. And you can go into the loving arms of your father and you can trust him. He is trustworthy today. And a lot of us don't understand that because we're still sitting on the porch, not sure if we can go in. And we have to understand that the love of God is being made perfect in us. That is huge. And we can have confidence. We can trust him. He is our loving father who has provided for us and saved us and redeemed us. We woke up this morning because we have breath in our lungs because God allowed that. Hopefully your car started this morning. If not, this illustration is bad. But your car started this morning. Praise God. You got a few likes on your Facebook. You got some friends in your life. Praise God. That's all grace. God is taking care of you. God is loving you. And the perfect love of God is producing in you hopefully a confidence. As we spend time with God, we can trust God. And we have confidence in God, which makes us want to spend time with God, which makes us trust God, which makes us give confidence in God. And it's a cycle all throughout our lives. And the word of God would say today that that perfect love is being made perfect. It is maturing. It is growing. And it's producing in us confidence. Now, John continues to, to, to press down a little bit on this idea of confidence, and he brings up a specific time where we can have confidence as believers. John tells us that we can have confidence when each and every one of us stand before God in judgment. Look at verse 17. So that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. As John is talking about the love of God flowing in and through our lives, he brings up this crucial, important topic of judgment. The word of God is very clear that everybody who has ever lived and everybody who will ever live will one day stand before a holy God and give an account for their lives. This is not a popular thing. Not a lot of churches preaching that this morning. But we will stand before God one day and give an account for our lives. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. It says, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes judgment. Every single one of us will stand before a holy God and give an account for our lives. This is a very, very important thing because maybe it's just me, but I feel like in our culture, Jesus has been made a little fluffy. Jesus has been made a little soft. We, you know, we've seen the picture. He's like got blonde hair, even though he's like from Israel. You're like, how did that happen? And he's got, he's petting a lamb and he's got some kids around him and he's been made to be very soft and passive. Listen, the word of God, we have to take our cues from the word of God, not our culture. The, the word of God says God will not be mocked he is a jealous God. He is a holy God. He is the boss of the universe, and he is the king of glory this morning. And one day, we will all stand before our maker. When I, was, uh, when I first got saved, I was in high school. I was about to be a senior. And this is going to date me a little bit, but this is in 2003, 2004, and um, there was a really popular uh, clothing brand. I don't know the hearts of these people, so I'm not here to, to bag on the hearts of these people, but there was a very important clothing brand that I had the shirt, and maybe you had the shirt, and here's what the shirt said. It said, Jesus is my homeboy. Did you guys ever see that shirt? There's Aston Kutcher looking real 2004 right there. Jesus is my homeboy. And again, I don't, know, I don't know the heart's intentions of the people that made those shirts, but here's what I think those types of things do for our culture. 
is they soften the reality of the holiness of God. A lot of people will live their lives wearing the Jesus is my homeboy shirt, and they will live their lives acting like I can do what I want, and Jesus is my homeboy, and one day I'm going to get up to heaven, and we're going to do the shake-up, and I'm going to say, I'm here to ask you all the tough questions, God. Let's hang out, and there's going to be no accountability for their lives. There's going to be no judgment. There's going to be none of that because Jesus is my homeboy. I can do what I want, and I'll see him one day because he's my homeboy. The Bible would say we will stand before God and give an account. And this is not a passive God. This is a holy, reverent, just God. But First John says here to believers, you can have confidence. Believer, is he holy? Yes. Is he the king of glory? Is he a jealous God? Is he just? Yes. But we as believers can humbly and reverentially go to the king of glory with confidence and not fear. Fear is a word here that does not mean reverence. A lot of times when you see the word fear in the Bible, um, the, the Greek word would mean reverence, meaning like a, a reverential awe. That's not this word. The Greek word here for fear is phobia. That means straight up freaked out. That scares me. He's scary. So he's saying, hey, believers, you can have confidence. You don't have to fear judgment. You can have this holy confidence. Why shouldn't we fear? You say, well, that sounds all awesome, but why shouldn't we fear? John tells us in verse 18. He says, because as he is, so also are we in this world. So as he is, that's Jesus, so also are we in this world. Wait, 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 how? The Bible would say because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, the fact that I was a sinner and he came to save me. He lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death for my sin on the cross. The Bible would say that you and I are righteous just as Jesus is righteous. That's a big deal. So as he is in this world, how is Jesus? He is perfect, he is holy, he is blameless, he is spotless. First John would say, so also are we in this world. So you and I can have confidence, why? Because we, by the gospel's grace, we are perfect, spotless, holy. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You say, Scott, I don't feel holy. You don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I thought this morning. I don't feel holy. Well, praise God that we cannot base our Christianity on how we feel. We can't do that. I'm a, maybe it's just me, but I am a roller coaster of emotions. If my walk with Jesus was based on how I felt, I would be hot and cold. I'd feel like I lost my salvation like every single day. Maybe it's just me. I don't base it on how I feel. We have to, by the Holy Spirit's power, base our relationship with Jesus on what's true. And here's what's true. You and I are blameless before Jesus because of the cross, because of his resurrection, because of his life in us. You say, show me that in the Bible because that sounds too good to be true. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 22, yet now he, that's God, has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, here it is, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy, blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Say, oh, Scott, that's for other people. Listen, if you're a blood-bought sinner who's been saved by grace, that's for you today. You are spotless and blameless and stand before a holy God without a single fault. So John says, you, you don't have to walk in fear. You can have confidence because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You can walk up to heaven as a blood-bought sinner and say, I don't have a lot to bring to the table but Jesus, and that's enough. This is not arrogance. This is not Jesus is my homeboy. This is God, I don't deserve this, but you're good. Your agape love has saved me. Many people think that I'm gonna live my life and one day I'm gonna stand before the big man upstairs with the pearly gates 
And there's going to be some sort of a scale system up there. And I'm going to throw all my good deeds proudly. And I'm going to ashamedly throw some bad deeds up there. And I'm going to step back and I'm just going to pray to someone that those good deeds outweigh the bad deeds and maybe he'll let me in. I know that sounds, for some of us who have grown up in church, that might sound crazy. A lot of people, I just had a conversation this week, a lot of people believe that. That I'm going to stand before God and weigh my options and I hope it works out for me. Listen, that's not the Bible, what the Bible would paint. That's not the picture. When I get to heaven and when you get to heaven, as blood-bought, redeemed sinners who have been saved by the grace of God, I stand before God and all I have is Jesus. And that gets me in only because of Jesus. I either am a person who is loved by Jesus and sought by Jesus and saved by Jesus, or I'm somebody who rejected God with my life and willingly chose to spend forever apart from him. Those are the options. There's no scales. It's has Jesus saved me and have I lovingly given him my heart and, and seen him do miracles in my life? Or have I willingly rejected him with my life? This is where our confidence lies. Romans chapter 8 says very clearly, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because right now, the, the, the enemy's having a field day in some of your brains because of what you thought yesterday or what you did or what you're walking in. If you're a believer in Jesus, Romans 8.1 is for you today. There is right now no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. Some of you guys need to hear that. For the Christian, judgment is not something we have in the future. Will we stand before God one day? Yes, but Jesus covers us. We will stand before God and we will have the stamp of Jesus over our lives. So our judgment is not in the future, it was in the past. And it happened on a hill on Calvary in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Jesus. That's why John says here, perfect love cast out fear. Well, what's perfect love? Perfect love is our Savior on a cross on our behalf. So that casts out fear. We don't have to fear when we stand before God in heaven because we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Fear involves punishment. I love this. I love this. Our punishment has been paid. This is going to be a freeing reality. I remember when I first started following Jesus, there was a lot of things I was struggling with. There was a lot of things that I was trying to clean up in my life. And I felt like, man, I'm getting punished for my sin. And somebody shared something with me from God's word, a truth of the gospel. And this is a freeing reality maybe for somebody here today. As a Christian, you and I are never, ever, ever punished for our sin. So, ooh, I don't know if I can say amen to that. Is that right? There's consequences for our sin. You better believe it. There's consequences for our sin. But God's punitive wrath, punishment on us never happens. Why? Because Jesus bore that on the cross. We are never by God punished for our sin. Because the song is true and the gospel is true from the song. Jesus paid it all. It wasn't just a little bit and then I got to figure out how to pay the rest. That would be a miserable life. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. I am never punished for my sin. Some of you guys right now are feeling punished for your sin, and that's the enemy harping on you and giving you ungospel truth. Say, not today. The, the gospel of Jesus has saved me. I'm not perfect, but I am stumbling forward towards Jesus by his grace. Do I struggle? Yes. Do I sin? Yes. But God in his grace is perfecting his love for me. And my love for him. He is perfecting that, making that perfect. We do not have to fear, the Bible says, as we stand before God. My family is here today, and my, my mom can attest to this, but in school, I was a very talkative kid. I mean, I guess I'm still pretty talkative, but I, I was in school as well. And uh, 
I don't know if they still do citizenship grades, but like they used to have citizenship grades where like you got an E for excellent, which meant your behavior basically. E for excellent, S uh, for satisfactory was just like, okay. And then U was unsatisfactory. And so I might be the world record holder for this, but one time in junior high school, I brought my mom home in a report card and it had straight A's and straight U's. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna say to this one, mom. Like I did good in school, but I just never shut up. Like that was, that was a thing. And so for me, for me, I used to call to the principal's office a lot or the dean's office or whatever. There'd always be that thing or the hall monitor would come in or the loudspeaker would say, Scott Worthington to the principal's office. And that was a scary walk. Some of you students can relate to that, right? Like, I don't know where I'm, I don't know what's at the end of this hallway, right? Like, I don't know why I'm being sent to the principal's office. Did I say something out of line? Did I, did I make fun of somebody? I don't know why I'm going to the principal's office, but here I go. It's a long, anxious, lonely walk to the principal's office. Now, there's other times that I love these times, where my mom, as I left the, the house that morning, would say, hey, you have a dentist appointment. I'm going to pick you up from school at 11.15. Listen, I'm staring. I can't wait for 11.15 to come. And finally, 11.15 comes, and I get the call. Scott Worthington to the principal's office. I jump right up. I grab my bag. I'm out. Why? Because I know who's waiting for me at the end of the hallway. That's my mom. She's about to take me to the dentist. Listen. Some people walk this life and they have no idea what's at the end of the hallway. They're guessing, they're hoping, and it's a long, anxious walk towards whatever's at the end of the hallway in eternity. And I don't know what I'm going to meet. I don't know who's down there. But some of us as Jesus followers, we know who's at the end of the hallway. And so we have confidence. We're skipping all the way there, right? We're skipping there. Why? Because we know, we have joy. We know what's coming. We have confidence. And that's only because our heavenly father is there to meet us. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, we stand before him. The love of God gives us confidence. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus. And you don't need to fear in this life or the next. We can trust our heavenly father. The love of God gives us confidence. Second thing. And we'll finish up today. The love of God gives us credibility. The love of God gives us credibility. He says in verse 19 there, we love because he first loved us. We've been talking about this. I'm not going to spend too much time because this is really something we've been talking about the last several weeks a lot. We love, the agape love of God on our life is because he loved us. So out of that, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our love is only a response to his love. It is sincere. It is credible love that we offer to our brothers and sisters in Christ. When we realize how incredibly gracious God has been to us, when we realize how much God gave for us to welcome us into his family, we start to realize how much the people around us need love. We start to allow that to flow out of our lives. Verse 20, John doesn't mince his words. He goes in pretty hard here in verse 20. He says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. The word liar in the Greek is the word pseudo. Literally, that just means fake. You could literally translate the first part of this verse. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is fake. I uh, just got back last week from Thailand. I went on a mission trip there with 23 amazing people. And on the last day that we're there, we go to Bangkok and we uh, just do some tourism stuff. Um, we go get souvenirs for the family. And um, I love that. I've done it for seven years. I love that because you can go get fake things that look real for really cheap. Like, 
Like you can get some Ray-Bans that say Ray-Ban, but those are not Ray-Bans because you paid $4 for them, right? I get some, I always go get some uh, like workout shorts. They got the Nike swoosh, but they ain't Nike because they're $5. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But here's what happens. Fake things always are revealed when there's testing. So when I put my Nike shorts in the washing machine like four times, they show that they're not real Nike shorts, (laughs) right? One of my friends, Mike, literally, like, we got back Saturday, and Friday he was at my house, and he said, man, I can't even see out of my Ray-Bans anymore. Like, they're, <laughs> like, they look cool, man. But he's like, yeah, but they're pointless sunglasses. I can't see out of them, right? Like, fake things will always be revealed in testing, and that's how it is in our lives. You, you, you say you love God, but I don't love my brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible will say, that's fake. So when there's testing in my small group, when there's testing in my relationships and my brothers and sisters in Christ, here's what the Bible says. There will be a realization of what's real and what's not. There will be a testing. And so for three weeks, we've heard John unpack this idea. Are you loving God and out of that love, loving your brothers and sisters in Christ? And so before we move on, we got to ask the question, how are we doing? In your small group times you've been meeting, how, how are we processing this? We can't just run by this. We have to be good stewards of what God has entrusted us with here over the last several weeks. How are we doing? How is our credibility? Because the Bible would be very clear that if we say we love God who we can't see and we can't even love our brother who's right in front of us, then we're lying. There's a, there's a credibility issue in our lives. John Stott said, God's love for us is perfected only when it is reproduced in us. I love God. Well, that love being perfected will show out of our lives. And if not, John would say, and the Holy Spirit through John would say, that our world, our, our, our love is fake. You can't love Christ, I've heard it said, you can't love Christ and not love his bride. We are the bride of Christ as the church. I mean, just imagine this. Just Again, sometimes we can hear that, but we don't put it in practicality. Just imagine that for a minute. Like, you want to hang out with me. You and your wife want to hang out with me and, and say, Scott, let's go have some coffee. Let's go talk about Thailand. And I'm like, man, that sounds really fun. Like, I'll grab Candace. We can go out to eat. And you say, yeah. Um, I was thinking more you. I'm not really a fan of your wife. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but that's not going to go well. I'm not going to say, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to go out with you, even though you just told me you don't like my wife. Right? That's not how that works. And, and, see, and yet so many Christians, I love Jesus. But that whole church thing, I'm not a fan of the church. I'm not a fan of the system. I'm not a fan. Listen, Jesus died to establish that system. Jesus died to establish that church. We cannot say in one breath, I love God and hate my brother and sister in Christ. He hasn't afforded us that option. So the last four weeks, they've been challenging We've heard our capacity for loving others is found only in our personal experience with the love of God. If I, I can't just keep loving other people either without experiencing the love of God, then I'm working out of my own strength. See, it's a cycle. As I spend time with God, I learn to trust God, which gives me confidence, which then allows God to reproduce that love in my life to other people, which leads me back to, I need God for that because that's hard sometimes. It's hard to love other people. Brothers and sisters in Christ can be difficult. So we need God for that, which gives us more of, of, of a motivation to get back in our word and spend time with the Lord so that we can trust God and have confidence in God and let that love go out of our lives. You see, it's a, it's a cycle, the love of God. John would end this passage by saying, the love of God gives us confidence and the love of God gives us credibility. Let's pray this morning.
Jesus, you are good to us today. We are sitting in an air-conditioned room with breath in our lungs, with cars in the parking lot. God, we are grateful today. You have been good to us. And God, I don't know what through your word today has been spoken to people's hearts. But Holy Spirit of God, we just invite you in this moment to come and do what you do. We believe only you save. We believe only you convict a story, a sermon. None of that can change people's hearts, but you can, Jesus. So I pray right now that you would do what you do, Holy Spirit of God. Would you challenge? Would you encourage? Would you convict? Would you save? God, we need you even in these few minutes. For some of you, you heard today about the love of God, maybe for the first time in a way you've never heard it. That God so loved you that he took on flesh, the Bible says. He came to dwell among us. Perfect, holy, blameless God. And he was tried and convicted of a crime he didn't commit. And he was put on a tree, put on a cross for us. He died a substitutionary death that we needed to be right with God. And some of you have heard that before. I heard it for eight months before God finally got a hold of me. So maybe today for some of you, you just need to, in a minute when we stand and sing, you need to come to myself or one of these pastors and just say, I need Jesus. Listen, so many people are carrying burdens they were never created to carry. Jesus would have you come to the altar today, lay down the burden and say, I can't, but you can. I say yes to a relationship with Jesus. You were made for that. Others of us, maybe we're believers, but if we're honest, we're sitting on the front porch, not really sure we want to walk into all the fullness of what the Father has for us in the house. His arms are open wide for us today. And we don't have a lot of confidence in God because we've never really fully embraced everything he has for us. So maybe today when we stand and sing this song, we, we need to just get right with Jesus and tell Jesus that you trust him fully with everything, not with a little bit, with all of it. Again, you can come talk to these pastors if there's something going on in your life that you just want to pray, have prayer over. Maybe for others of you, you know there's relationships in your life where right now you're, there's not a lot of credibility in your life because you've neglected to make those relationships right. That's what this time is for. This time is to stand and sing, but it's also to do business with God, to meet Jesus maybe for the first time, to wholly give yourself to Christ, to understand and say yes to the conviction of the Holy Spirit that he wants to do some things in your life right now and, and in your relationships with people around you. Don't let this time go by. Don't slip out early. Stand and sing these songs and, and kneel and pray and come to the altar and be prayed over. May this be a time where you just say yes to whatever the Holy Spirit of God is saying to you. Because we're going to sing a powerful song. Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt, who raised this life from the dead. Those are not soft words. We are praising the living God for what he has done on our behalf today. So Jesus, we thank you for today. I pray that people would come be prayed over if they need to. I pray that you would just be lifted high in this place. You're worthy of our praise, God. Do what you want in this place, Holy Spirit, for your glory and our good. We love you. It's in Jesus' name.